Hi, this is Steve Andres. I'm the pastor of New City Church, and this is our podcast. Every week at New City, we invite people to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and learn how to make a difference. I want to thank you for joining us today, and I hope that this message inspires and challenges you to love God and serve your city more. If you want more info on New City Church or other resources, go to newcity.life today. But for now, enjoy this message. Mark chapter 4, this is what it says. Jesus said, this is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground. Night and day then, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though it, he does not know how. All by itself, the soil produces grain, first the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head. And as soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it because the harvest has come. So let's do this. One more time before we just go on with this morning, let's pray and ask that God would help us to have open hearts to the words of Jesus today. Father, thank you that uh, you speak to us, not just through the words on the page, but I'm believing today that everybody in here is able to hear not just those words that are spoken on a microphone or the words that they read off a screen or off of a page, but Lord, they're able to hear from you as your Holy Spirit would speak to them. I pray, God, that you would add weight to what is said, that you would speak in areas, God, even where I might not be able to address, that you would encourage, lift up, challenge whatever it is that you need, reorient our perspective in this place as we listen to your word and not just listen to it, but as we go out of here wanting to obey and act upon it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now, uh, on, on the video, uh, Adam and Jesse, they, they uh, mentioned that there's a golf outing come, coming up in a couple of weeks, and um, golf is that moment where, first of all, I just want to say this. I know the people who are already participating in this, and if you are not a good golfer, you are, you are going to be in great company, okay? Um, and myself included, not a good golfer, but I intend to be out there for those nine holes, okay? So it's a, the, it's a really uh, simple thing that we're going to do together, and really, uh, we, we make zero dollars off of it. Um, one kind person from our congregation uh, already donated a little bit just to cover the shortfall so that we could go out there and golf our nine holes, and it'd be inexpensive and affordable for everybody. So it's going to be a great time together. But what you see when you get out with different golfers is everybody has this really unique swing. And some people, like myself, have developed some bad habits over time, right? So whenever you get a golf lesson or you talk to somebody who really knows about, like when they say that, well, let me see your swing, Steve, I will swing and they'll go, oh. Because they know that it's hard to unlearn bad habits, right? Once you have established a bad habit, it's actually harder to unlearn a bad habit than to teach the right habit. Does that make sense? I think Jesus spends so much time in these red letters of the Bible. He spends so much time speaking to the kingdom of God, talking to his disciples uh, to help them unlearn what they have assumed and what they have, these bad habits of understanding. They thought they knew God's way, but Jesus is all the time trying to correct that and adjust that. He's teaching them what it looks like when God is in charge and when God's ways are in operation. And so the shorthand for this, when God is in charge and when God's ways are in operation, the shorthand that Jesus was using is the kingdom of God. That's as, that's as simple as it gets. When God is in charge and when his ways are in operation, this is what it looks like, and we'll call it the kingdom of God. Now, 
He's trying to describe it because his disciples have got some mixed up ideas about it. And so, I believe, do we sometimes. Jesus tells them the kingdom of God is like a farmer who is sowing seed. And once the seed goes into the ground, the farmer, whether he sleeps or not, whether he stays up late and worries about it, or whether he forgets about it entirely, the farmer has nothing to do with it anymore. He has no more control over it at that point. It is, it is going to grow, Jesus says. The farmer doesn't see it or even know exactly what's happening under the soil, but something is happening, and then appears, the, uh, the, in a sense, the result of his sowing. And he says, first it's the stalk, and then it's the head, and then it's the grain in the head. And when that happens, he says, the farmer knows that it's time for him to harvest. So I want to just call out a couple of things. I had a, a number of points, and I, I brought it all down to two points today, which I feel like for me, I'm becoming, I'm just be, I'm like, can I get, and I've told you guys, the one-point preachers, they're the best. The one-point preachers are the best of them all. I'm, I'm, a, I'm getting, trying to be a two-point preacher right now, and I'm working my way down. So just stay with me and, you know, be patient with me. But here's your first point, and for those of you who are writing things down, I want you to write this down. The potential is in the seed. The seed in the farmer's hand has potential, but it is unrealized potential until he does something with the seed, okay? You don't get the blessing of that potential while it stays in your hand. You have to do something with it. And Jesus said, this is what God's kingdom is like. You are not blessed because you hear the truth. That's the truth in your hand. He says, you are blessed because you do the truth, because you act upon it. You know, you know what I mean? That, that's the sowing of it, if you will. This is what Jesus says. The kingdom of God operates like this, that un unless you do something with what you know to be true, you aren't going to experience the fruit of that. That's why James, I kind of alluded to it in my prayer a little bit earlier. The book of James says that, that we shouldn't just be hearers of God's word, but doers also. It's like coming to church and listening to the teaching, listening to the worship, well, that might be a good thing. There's a lot of potential in that. I applaud you for being here and for, and for being here in this moment of potential. But it is not going to bear fruit in your life unless you begin to apply it to, to your life and to your circumstances and actually act upon it. A seed in the hand is just unrealized potential until it's sown. Wise counsel from people in your life. Well, that can be a wonderful thing. There could be people in your life who you look up to and who really know, who've walked beyond you and who might offer you advice and counsel, but that is only a seed in the hand until you actually act upon it and actually do something with that. If you do something with it, the seed is going to bear good fruit. And when it bears fruit, there's going to be an order to it, Jesus says. It's not going to be an overnight thing. And it's not going to be just a once in, you know, it's not just going to appear. He says first there's going to be a stalk, then the head, then the kernel. And if you look at this, if he, when we talk about the kingdom of God, I think what Jesus is helping us to see is there is an order, an order in God's kingdom. When we look at creation from the very beginning of the Bible, very beginning of the book, when we look around us, even for those of you who, are, who love the order of our world, who are scientists and who, who are mathematicians, the big secret of the Enlightenment was that so many of the scientists that were, that were, uh, that were in, influential and who really laid the foundation for our modern era, they were all be deep believers, fervent believers, and they loved to explore the order of God's creation and to describe it, and that was science for them. Now, 
There is an order, not just in God's creation, but Jesus says there's an order in God's kingdom. First the stock, then the head, then the kernel, he says. There's an order. And if we violate that order, we get in trouble. I mean, I think of it very plainly like this. There's some things that are, you know, ought to be in order in our lives, like uh, we ought to think first and then speak, right? <laughs> and when you violate that, a lot of times you get into trouble. Jesse can tell you about our, you know, our, our conversations during the week, and there are plenty of times where I am speaking without thinking, right? And, and then I get into trouble for it. That's a simple illustration of this. But in the kingdom of God, there is an order to things. And I think Jesus is illustrating that very plainly. First the stalk, then the head, then the kernel. Here's the deal. You're supposed to bring the first, the Bible says, of, of your earnings from, from, uh, from whatever your work is, whatever your employment is, whatever. The Bible is very plain. That first tenth belongs to God. I don't talk about it very much. We did a series, mm, I don't know, a couple months ago called Money Talks. And it was, I think it was a watershed moment for some people to understand why this is so important. But there's an order to this. We don't just spend first and then give the leftovers, whatever we've got left over from our consumer lifestyle, to God. We give to God first, and then we live off of the rest that God has entrusted to us to be stewards of. <laughs> Thank you. There's one amen out there. This is like a quiet amen. Everybody's like, just move on, would you, Steve? <laughs> it was sounded like amen. <laughs> <laughs> Almost like they were going to offend everybody around them. They said, <laughs> but that's okay. That's okay. And listen, you think that was hard? Let me just get on to the next point. There's an order. <laughs> There's an order to this thing. The Bible says that sex should be should be in marriage only. Once there is a covenant, that covenant, <laughs> once there is a covenant, now that is the protection over that act of intimacy that, that, that feeds into it. It's like a feedback cycle that that covenant in marriage is meant to be the place where it is safe to, to actually have that level of intimacy with another person. But people all the time in our culture are violating this and getting it out of order. And there's any wonder why divorce is so rampant. If there's any wonder why families are disintegrating. If there's any wonder, we, it's amazing to me. Not only does the Bible say it, but now study after study after study. The data is there for those of you who don't believe the Bible. The data is there that this is the way to go. It's funny to me that we want to rationalize this to no end when I think very plainly we could look at what Jesus says and say, you know what? There's an order. There's an order to things, and we need to respect that order. The Bible says there's an order to the way that we approach God. We, uh, it says, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. I, I can tell you there, there are plenty of times where I've called out to God, but if in my day-to-day -day, uh, day -day rhythm of relationship with God, I, I need to do this. I need to respect this order that before I ever get to talking to God about what I need and what needs to change and what needs to go better and who, how they need to, oh, Jesse needs to change. Would you just do this? You know, like that sort of thing. Before I ever get to God to talk to him about that, I need to start with giving thanks to him for all of the, the good gifts, his mercy, his grace, all of the wonderful things that he's given to me. If I enter his courts with praise and thanks, Thanksgiving, then I'm oriented correctly. That's the right order. So now I can see with the correct perspective. Now you can say amen, because that's an easy one. <laughs> it's really plain. The challenge is when we do things out of order, uh, we, we, we pay the price. But even when we do things in order, it still takes time. 
and none of us like to take time, right? We are wired. We want instant gratification. We want instant results. And this isn't how the kingdom of God works. Jesus says there's an order to it, and there's a timeliness to it. For those of you, I, you know, I've been joking around already, but most of us who are old enough will remember back before the days of digital cameras that we, we would put that film in there, that one, was it 110 film uh, in that camera, and click it, click it, click it, you know, and you would snap a picture. And it wasn't like today where you could take 500 pictures and just throw all the ones out that you don't like. You had 24, or if you were really rolling, you had 36. Um, and, and you could then send it. What you did is what would happen with that film, it was that image would be exposed on the film, and then what would happen is we would take that film somewhere and hand it over to somebody who would take it in a dark room, and, and they would go and they would take time to develop it. And if you showed it, if you exposed it too soon, if you brought it into the light too soon, the image would be ruined. And it's a great picture, pardon the pun, for the kingdom of God. You might know that you are called, but it might not be the time. You might even be able to see what God is wanting to do, but there is a timing that is involved that is really important for you to respect. You might know the things, that, the way that God is moving you. You might have an inkling of the things that God wants to do or maybe what you are praying for and hoping for, but you need to respect that there is a time for everything in God's kingdom. There is a timing to everything in God's kingdom, and when you recognize that, you can relax and say, you know what? If it isn't happening now, it's because I'm still being developed. Because God is still doing this. And if, I, if this were to happen right now, if this, were to, if this were to take place at this moment, I wouldn't be ready. The image might be ruined. The longest standing ovation in sports history was over 22 minutes long. Some of you know about this, but many of you don't. An entire stadium of over 40,000 people stood for 22 minutes to clap for one person. And it wasn't because he had scored the most touchdowns, or run the most yards, or in this particular sport, hit the most home runs, but it was simply because he showed up. Cal Ripken Jr. broke Luke Gehrig's record for the most consecutive games played on that day when he showed up 2000, for his 2,131st game. The stadium stood and erupted in applause for him 2,000 games? Can you imagine that? Without missing one for 22 minutes. And this, I think, is a wonderful picture of what God wants to do in our lives. This is really faith and trust like the farmer in Jesus' story. Not that I am there to score the most, not that I am there to make the biggest impact, but that I show up and continue to believe for what God is doing in my life, even when I can't see what's happening. Even when you can't see the fruit yet, just you've sown the seed. You, you say, you know what, I, I let go of that thing, and here's the beauty of it. I let go of it, I can't see it. But when you show up and believe and trust God, that's the act of faith that is at work that really defines the kingdom of God, believing in the potential that is in that seed, that if you sow it, God will grow it. Point number two, the power is in the soil. The potential is in the seed, but the power is in the soil. Jesus makes this comment. He says, all by itself, the soil produces fruit. The farmer doesn't even know how the seed grows. Now, we have an idea today because we've been able to use our cameras and, you know, you know our, all of our methods. But especially to Jesus' audience, 
this was an obscure thing. This wasn't something that they understood. Jesus says, the farmer doesn't know how the seed even grows. And the kingdom of God, he says, is just like this. It's not a building that we build from a blueprint or a schematic. We don't put it to, say, you know what, if we just do X, Y, and Z, we're going to get this, and we're going to do this. And that's how we operate in our, in our kingdoms today. But Jesus says, the kingdom of God is like the seed under the soil. It's invisible. You don't get to see all the time what's happening. But just because it's invisible doesn't mean it isn't valuable, right? You can do without a finger, which is very visible, but you can't do without a liver, which nobody can see. <laughs> just because it isn't visible doesn't mean it isn't valuable. And in the kingdom of God, there is a value, Jesus is saying, to obedience even when you can't see it, even when you don't see the fruits of what you're doing, even when you aren't able to draw a straight line from, well, I did this, well, why haven't, this is what the Bible, this is what Jesus is saying. You sow that seed of obedience and then you trust because you know the potential is in the seed and the power is in the soil and I trust that if I will obey, God will bring the fruit in his time. Two chapters later, Jesus tells his disciples to feed this crowd of 5,000 people. And they say to him, how? Literally, they say, Jesus, how? And I, I think you, you got to catch this frustration. Like, um, you know, imagine that this is Jesus and his staff, and he's like, I just want you to feed these 5,000 people. I'm like, what? How? how? They don't, you're, setting up, you're setting us up to fail, Jesus. <laughs> you're setting us up to fail right now. How? They didn't know how it was going to happen. And then a young boy brings five loaves and two fish. And the Bible says that Jesus takes that, prays over it, and it multiplies to feed everybody there with baskets full of leftovers. Okay? Now, the first thing I want to observe about this is that, number one, this boy wasn't even in the 5,000 count. Because it would have been customary in that day and age to just count the grown men in the mix. So we can guess that of all the people that were there, if there were 5,000 grown men, there might have been as many as 15,000 people that were there in that crowd. And this boy wasn't even counted. He wasn't even noticed. Wasn't even visible to the people who were there around Jesus. Do you know that God loves, he really loves it when we are Sometimes when we, when we are in a position where we are unnoticed or uncounted, God loves to use people in those positions. He loves to exalt those people, lift those people up, use them to do so. And you know what? That's exactly what he did with this boy. If you've ever served God and been unthanked, unnoticed, if you've ever obeyed God and been unthanked or unnoticed, then you are in great company today because those are the people that God says he celebrates most of all. And there is a day, and we need to re recover this idea in church, that there is a day when all that is unseen will be revealed, Jesus said. There is a day when everything that was done in secret is going to be applauded for those acts of obedience that were unnoticed and unseen. They're going to be celebrated and we need to recover this sense of there is a future day. It's not just about today. We are always living in this instant moment instead of recognizing the kingdom of God doesn't operate like that. Not only was he unnoticed, but second, I don't know how this happened. <laughs> no one there could have explained it, and I wonder, because the Bible gives us no details about it, how, I mean, did people see it happening? Was there like bread, like, you know, like what I mean? Like, you know, you just... 
Did you ever think about that? Was this where the people were reaching in and there was always a, uh, you know, like a, a loaf in there where the fish just like, bleh, like more fish out of their mouths? I don't even know how it happened. But this is how, this is what happened. We don't know how. Jesus said the kingdom of God is just like this. A farmer plants a seed and he doesn't see what happens beneath the surface. He doesn't know how, but the seed produces life. Now, Jesus' disciples said, how? Remember, we can go back to Abraham. God says, Abraham, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you an heir. Now, Abraham's pushing 100, right? And this would be the thing he, you guys would say. There, there's, I don't even know if there's anybody that's, that's up that far in years in, in this room right now, but you would be like, how? <laughs> right? And then you go to Moses. God says to Moses, Moses, I'm going to have you lead my people out of Israel. Moses knows the strength of Egypt. He knows this great army. He knows his people have been enslaved for 400 years. And what does Moses say? How? <laughs> right? The angel appears to Mary and says, hey, the, the Almighty is going to overshadow you. You're going to give birth. To, though you've never been with a man, you're going to give birth to a son, and you're going to call him Jesus. He's going to be the Savior. And Mary says, what? How? I have to admit that I, I don't always know how God is going to do the things that he, is, that he has said he's going to do in my life. I don't always know how God is going to do the things that I believe he wants to do in our church. I have talked to people. Let me just tell you, I have already, in this brief existence of New City Church, I've sat down with people who have issues, counseling them, talking with them, uh, and I literally walked away. I can remember recently walking away from a meeting with a with a with a, a you know a marriage situation that I I literally walked away and I said Lord I don't know how you're going to save this I don't know what I don't know how you're going to do it because I I, I gave my best two cents but I don't think it's going to make any impact God you got to you know what let me just give you the end to that story that it was literally the next day that I got a text from this person and they said you know what my spouse came to me just out of nowhere and apologized said I just need to make things right and we need to work on this and and we're not going to get divorced and I was like that's amazing God I'm just going to I'm going to just trust you a little bit more here <laughs> But there are plenty of times where you might say, even in your own life and in your own situation right now, you might be saying, I, I don't know how you're going to do it, God. But just because you don't know how doesn't mean that he can't or that he won't. Amen? How do I forgive that person but also not set myself up to be trampled by them? How, how do I honor God in my singleness and not just be thirsty, so thirsty that I'm willing to compromise what I know is right and what is true according to God's word. How do, I, how, do I do, how do I do that? God, I need to know how. We're asking that question. How do I break this addiction in my life? There, there are all kinds of questions of how, but let me tell you, just because you don't know exactly how doesn't mean that he can't or he won't. God is fine with using people who don't know how. He's all good with that. Because if I'm so full, if I think I know how, then my tendency is to try and do it myself. Right? Even with, a, even with a, this church situation, I know I've got lots of years. I've done this for, I know how to do that. I know how. You know what? The problem with knowing how is that, that you turn around and you try and do it yourself and in your own strength. The beauty of when you don't know how is that God gets all the glory. Jesus says that's what the kingdom of God is like. That seed gets sown, and, and you don't see it underneath the surface. You don't even know how it's happening, but God is bringing life in his time. And in the end, that farmer gets to take the sickle to it and enjoy the fruit of what God produced by the power of that soil. Now, 
you don't always have to know how. I don't even know how a plane flies, but I still get on it. I might understand the basics of lift and drag and all that stuff, but I couldn't fix it and I definitely couldn't fly it. <laughs> but I get to, I don't know how, but I get the benefits of it because I'm willing to trust myself to it. And so rather than, uh, just this past week, uh, our family was in Arizona, rather than driving whatever it would be, 14 hours to Arizona, it takes three hours in flight because you know what, this is the beauty of it, I can trust it even though I don't know how. Some of you need to learn to trust God even when you don't know how. How, how is God going to bring me a, a, a spouse when I, I don't know, there's nobody, I've been, I've looked all around New City Church, there's nobody here, you know, and, and that I've looked all around, I'm going to another church, and you wonder how God is going to do it. Let me tell you, there are plenty of stories I could tell you of how God will bring the right person to you. You don't need to know how, you just need to trust and obey. Second Chronicles 714 as we're here in the second week of this week of prayer, let me just bring this to your attention. It says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven, forgive their sin, and heal their land. That's what it says. Now, some of you guys are like, oh, heal the land, forgive, what, how is that? What kind of legislation? We need legislation to be passed. We need changes in our, we need this, how, we need this, this 2020 election, and we think, how is this gonna happen? Which celebrities are gonna advocate for us? We definitely need to get somebody, we need, we, we need the beeps. We need the beeps to get on this right now. We need something to change here. And, and, and you know, you're missing the point. You're missing the point. If the Bible's saying, if you will do this simple act of, right? It says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wickedness. If we'll just do that simple act of seeking God in humility and in repentance, God says, I will do the hard work of healing the land. Watch me here. I will do the hard work of healing the land. And for those of us who have given up, there's two, there's two different sides of the spectrum here. Some of you here, you aren't even thinking about the land. You're like, let the land be what the land is. I'm going to deal with my family, and I'm going to get my own and take care of me, because I can't worry about that, because I'm exhausted from all the news and all the people. Everybody's offended all the time. That's one side of the spectrum. And then we got some other people, activistic type, who are like, you know what? We got to get that. We got to do this. We got to get this money. Why aren't you guys over? What's your problem over here? Why don't you care? And you're all over here. And this is what I'm saying. There is a radical middle of people who say, yes, there is some rest that we can have. And yes, there is some work that we need to do. But the real work is to humble ourselves and pray and seek his face and repent before him. And he will do the hard work of healing the land. Galatians 6, 9 says, don't be weary in doing good, for at the proper time we reap a harvest if we don't give up. At the proper time, which is the hardest part of that whole verse. <laughs> because it's not, it might not be time right now, but that doesn't mean you give up. I don't need to know how, but I do know that I need to keep sowing. If you're in the middle of grief right now, I could tell you I don't know how, but I know God is going to get you through it. If you're in the middle of, of a season of great difficulty or, or frustration, I, I, I don't know exactly how, but I can, tr I can promise you God's going to bring you through it. If you're in the middle of a, of a season of financial difficulty, I don't know how, but I believe God can bring you through it. The key here is knowing this, not to give up because in due time we reap a harvest. I do my work, but then the, the dirt does its work. I sow but Jesus says in the kingdom of God, the real work happens underneath the surface. 
I have a small part in the process, but it's the soil where the power is at. And maybe you have sown before in your life and you are struggling to see the results of that. Let me encourage you, don't give up. Keep sowing. Keep waiting. You don't have to know how because you know who. You don't have to know how it's going to happen because you know who you can trust. That's what this is about today. Can I trust the who without knowing the how? I mean, we, we get up here, we sing about it, we talk about it, but let me just tell you, if all we do is receive this seed in our hand today, but we don't actually sow it in trust, saying, I trust you, Lord. I trust that you can do this in my life. I trust that you will make good on all your promises. If not now, in, let me just tell you, this is a, some of you guys are, well, I don't want to hear, if not now in this life, then in the next. That's hard. Young people don't want to hear that one because they're like, this life is all there is. When we're young, this life is all there is. But when we're old, we start thinking harder about that. But I will tell you, God will make good on every single promise. He is able to, he literally, Jesus said, every word that was ever spoken is going to be recorded. And we say, how could that possibly happen, God? How in the world are you able to do that? That seemed like such an impossibility until the internet. That on some server, somewhere, every post you ever made to MySpace, right, or to Tumblr, or to Instagram, or to Facebook, every one of them exists somewhere and is stored up now. Every word, every text has been recorded. It's crazy for us to think about, but if that is possible by our meager attempts, think of what the faithful mind of God is able to record, that every single word, every single cry for justice, every single act of obedience that went unnoticed here on earth is going to be celebrated. Every injustice is going to be set right. Every act of, of good is going to be rewarded. That is what the Bible is teaching. Jesus says this is the kingdom of God. You sow in trust and you believe that it's not about the how, it's about the who. Jesus knew that. Even as he's talking to his disciples, he knew that the power is in the soil. If we're obedient with whatever God has given us, the dirt does its work. Nobody around Jesus could understand why he would let himself be arrested. I mean, it was clear that he knew what Judas was up to. Why would he let Judas betray him? Why would he allow it? Why, when he was paraded up in front of a kangaroo court, why would he remain silent in front of his accusers like the Bible says? Why would he let himself be accused of these falsehoods? Why would he let himself be beaten and tortured? Why would he carry his own cross to the place of his execution? Why would he be stripped and shamed and allow himself to be crucified outside the city walls? Because Jesus had told them already, unless a grain of wheat falls to the dirt and dies, it bears no fruit. The dirt has to do its work. And so he knew and he didn't resist. Because when Jesus was buried on that Friday, it was not the tragic end to a meaningless story. It was actually a lesson in farming. Because Jesus was not buried on that Friday, he was planted. And 
he was planted in obedience. And it was only a matter of time. Because he was planted, it was only a matter of time until there would be life and there would be, there would be a result and there would be fruit from that. The fruit of his obedience, the Bible says, was that on Sunday, after that Friday, Jesus was raised from the dead and it was the visible manifestation of the invisible work of God. Jesus said, let me be planted, Dad, because if I remain by myself, then I, if I can't be planted, unless this grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, there will be no fruit. But if you'll plant me, then the Bible says he was raised to life to be the firstborn among many. That the new life, the resurrection life that the Bible says Jesus is living today is also ours to receive. And so, I want to I wanna just close and conclude our time today just very plainly by telling you that it isn't about the work that you do that gets you to resurrection life. It's a, the little work that we do is nothing. As a matter of fact, the Bible is really clear. Nothing that you and I do, as good a person as I could try and be, as, as good a person as you may be, and you're probably better than me, as good a person, pick the best person in the room, pick the best person in the, in the city, pick the best person in the country or in the world, and they're still not good enough to meet this standard. Everyone, the Bible says, has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And for you and I to receive that resurrection life is a simple, is, is so simple. It's, it's the hard work has been done. We get to enjoy the harvest, right? All the Bible says that you and I need to do is to trust. It's as simple, we say it, we say it almost every week. I say it like, it's as simple as A, B, C. We admit that we are sinners in need of forgiveness. We believe that what God did by sending his own son, that's the B part, the believe, what, what God did by sending his own son to die for you and I and to be raised to life, that you and I then get to see, confess that and receive that to our lives as a gift of mercy and forgiveness from a God who loves you. Romans 8, 18 says this, I consider that these present sufferings are not worth comparing to the glory that will be revealed in us later. All that Paul, the Apostle Paul who wrote that, all that the Apostle Paul is saying there is he's saying, you know what, you might be going through something and it might be awful, but don't worry. We're not even talking about the same categories here. Your struggles, I love how it says, they're not worth comparing. What God has prepared for you and for me, the resurrection life that I'm talking about, that if we will admit, believe, and confess, that, Paul is saying, is beyond anything you and I could possibly compare to our present sufferings. So if you haven't received that today, I, I just want to say today is the day to do that.